when we have thoracic extension, so that's upper back posture, when our upper back is open, our chest is open, that is what allows the neck to swivel the full 180 degrees, so 90 degrees to the left, 90 degrees to the right. When we're slouched even just a little bit, every like inch forward your head moves, it adds a certain amount of weight to your head. So like your body actually perceives your head as weighing more than it actually does. But once we get to that forward head posture, we're already limiting the ability for the neck to swivel that far. So you can literally with good posture, you're up, you can see without turning your head, everything in front of you, the defensive posture where you're not going into that victim mode. You're not only telling yourself, Hey, I'm, I'm fully equipped to deal with this situation, but you're telling everybody around you, right? Like, I'm not the one to bully. You're not going to pick on me. Welcome to the Close Quarter Dad podcast. Discussions about raising your kids with confidence, safety, and resilience. I'm your host, Adam Mitchell, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, I'd like to welcome you back to this next episode of the Close Quarter Dad podcast. And this is going to be a very interesting conversation with my friend, Chris Jenke. And we're going to be talking about a number of different, different topics relating to and centered around uh, your child's posture and fitness. And uh, we're going to see where this conversation goes because I got a lot of questions here to ask Chris. And what I hope that you are going to get out of this is some real fundamental ways to step into the body language that your child uses, um, how you can help them with bettering their posture and how they're showing up in their uh, world every day. And I really want to also step into nutrition. And I know that this is a common topic. It's stuff that they talk about at school. It's stuff that you get beat over the head with, whether it's on your Netflix channel or on YouTube and anywhere you go, you, you know, there's so much out there about nutrition, but I would really like to have a conversation with Chris about what happens if you do continue to ignore this and what happens if you let the, you know, you let things slip too often. And I really want to hear what are some of the big concerns that uh, he has going into the future that he wants us as parents to look out for. Now, I will say that uh, both Chris and I share one thing, and that is that we both have four kids. Uh, we're that crazy. Chris, Chris, welcome to Close Quarter Dad Podcast. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, let's get right into sit up straight. And something that we were told as we were kids, our parents say it all the time. I'm going to, uh, reference some of the work that I do at my martial arts school. And really it's about understanding that if we talk about personal protection and teaching our children how to stay safe, the, one of the very first things that we need to do is everything is centered around communication, right? Safety, uh, promoting safety, creating safe environments, creating stronger and safer children really comes down to our level of not just us communicating with them and them communicating with us, but also them communicating to the world. Right. Better than 80% of that communication comes through body language. And when groups of children or targeted uh, children who get targeted or someone who's looking for a target, they're going to be looking for a number of different physical indicators. One of those and the most overt is going to be their posture, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, we want our kids to sit up straight because it's polite and that's how you sit at the table. Don't slouch, da, 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 all these things. There is a critical component to keeping yourself safe in this, you know, in this context. So I'd like to start there and I'd like to maybe begin Chris with what are some of the, what are some of the things that you're seeing in young people 
uh, today that is so apparent that we really need to start talking about more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love how you're thinking in this term, in, in these terms. Uh, I would go really big picture first and say that posture, you initiate your posture based on one of two ways, or, and these are playing off each other all the time. So one is the amount of physical stress you put into your body. So for example, if you have strong back muscles, it's just going to be much easier to stand up straight naturally without even thinking about it. The other half, which I think is very applicable to children, especially is what's coming from the inside, that level of self-confidence, that level of self-esteem. So it's, so we can say there's an outside in approach, you know, how is the environment affecting your posture? You know, how strong or weak are your spinal muscles? How much time are you spending in video games, hunched forward? And then the other aspect is what, what do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence? So I think hitting it from both angles, you know, letting your kids play on the playground, do the monkey bars. Uh, I'm, I'm talking in these terms because my oldest kid is only 10 years old. And so they're still on the monkey bars. But, um, and then on the other side is how, what kind of things can we do for kids and their self-esteem to, to get them to open up and to stand with their chest tall and to walk down the street with confidence. So I would say those are the two main things that we want to jump off from. So let's go, let's go from, uh, let's go from the first one. Let's talk about, uh, the sort of that day to day and some of the things that we're concerned about, like carrying book bags and slouching, slouching over playing games are always on the phone and what some of those long-term, uh, effects are going to be that they're going to kind of create posture imprints and they're going to kind of be stuck in there and they have to get readjusted out. So let's maybe start from there and then we'll move into, okay, once we do that, then this is what we need to look at. Awesome. So number one is there's no such thing really as a good or a bad movement necessarily. It's just, is your body ready for it? So you mentioned the book bags, right? So you give a 20 pound book bag to a kid who only weighs 60 pounds. You're going to have some trouble, right? They're going to have a really hard time carrying that versus, you know, give it to a well you know, able-bodied adult, you know, boom, easy over the shoulder, no problem at all. So I think in general, we want to look at age appropriate stimulus from the outside environment. You know, what kinds of, what kinds of things are these children being asked to do, whether that's again, going to school, carrying book bags, uh, prolonged sitting, doing their homework, you know, at the computer head slunched forward, uh, things like that. And then even the athletics that they're doing, you know, if they play baseball, are they holding a bat that's too heavy? Um, and so these are the things that can affect them from the outside. And then we don't want to necessarily like bubble wrap their environment. I'm not about that. I want to, I want to bring them up to a point where they're strong enough to handle their environment. So, you know, that whole bubble wrapping the environment, that might be a short-term fix. Like, Hey, their book bag weighs 30 pounds. Let's see what we can do. Um, and, let's work on strengthening these kids so that they can handle this environment and get them stronger. So, um, body weight exercises are key. I'm a huge fan of doing some sort of even resistance training, even for kids who are under 14. And then once they hit, you know, 14, 15 years old, taking them into the weight room and starting very slowly to strengthen them in a very balanced way. So full body workouts every single time, uh, 
and, uh, you know, opposite muscle groups, you know, chest, back, right? Quads, hamstrings. You want to make sure we're balanced in that way. So that's what I would say in general. And posture, when we're coming at it from, from this perspective, a very mechanical perspective, right? And we're, we're not talking about like self-confidence, self-esteem yet. But when you're thinking about posture from a muscular perspective, posture is the evidence of balance. That's it. If your muscles are balanced, you're going to have good posture. When your muscles are imbalanced, that all that is is evidence that your workout program or lack thereof is not balanced. And that'll give us keys as far as which muscles we need to strengthen, which muscles we need to stretch and how to proceed from there. I'm going to take a super, I'm going to take a right turn here because you cool. just made me think of something. My sensei in Japan, we were joking one day and, um, in our dojo in Japan, the upstairs is where the apartments are. And a bunch of people were there from different parts of the world. And there was a lot of snoring going on and it was mentioned in the morning. We're all getting ready to start class. Sensei comes in and he asks, how was your night? And someone said, Oh, it was a lot. Like everybody up there was snoring. And he said, well, everybody up there is not balanced. And he immediately went into some, uh, balance exercises and training. Uh, and he was saying that there's a connection between your, uh, your legs and your balance in your body and your, your spine that's creating that on your neck. And he's saying, if you're, you know, he was saying that if you're snoring, you need to, and I know that we can go in a lot of different directions, this, and I know there's a lot of different reasons, but I found that when you were talking about that balance, it's, uh, it affects you in so many different ways. It really, really, truly does. And I'm having this conversation here thinking that if we can just get parents to think how important it is to change the posture of their children and the role they play in that, that it, it affects so many other things later in life, like snoring, right? Um, I don't know about that. What do you, what do you say about that? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, snoring is very much related to the position of your neck. And, you know, if you're if you have that forward head and you're like this, right? And you need a pillow if you sleep on your back. That that's one sign. If you if you can sleep on your back with no pillow, you're probably pretty good. Your mm. neck is probably in pretty good shape. Right? But if you need a pillow, think about what you're doing. If you were in a standing position with an imaginary pillow behind your head, you're you're jetting forward, right? And that's going to affect the position, the angle of your neck the throat and it's, it's going to flap on that, uh, the snore flap right there. So, uh, definitely your, your sensei was right. There's a lot connected. We're one unit from the top of our head down to our ankles. You can't train one thing and not have it affect everything else. So as far as creating balance though, what I realized with my kids, you know, I've been, I've been a trainer since what, 10 years before my oldest was born. And so I was training adults to, to fix an adult with messed up posture. It takes a lot. Yeah. We're, you know, we're the, we're, we're the tree branch that's solidified, right? There's a, it takes a lot. If you have a kid, especially if they haven't gone through puberty yet, uh, you know, three minutes a day is, is enough, you know, Hey, let's lay down on our stomachs and let's do a Superman. And then everybody's mm-hmm. doing a Superman and then just send them out to play. You know, it's very simple. Um, but I agree with you doing things like that, getting that muscle memory so that down the line, we're not faced with these health challenges that uh, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen in 20, 30 years when this, this is the first generation growing up now. That's really 
growing up with robots, with computers, right? Smartphones, uh, laptops, iPads. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. So we really need to make sure that we give them enough of that natural, uh, you know, environmental stimulation that they need. That's not just parking them in front of a screen. Yeah. You know, we could send our kids to, uh, to, to BJJ twice a week and then, you know, do range training and do all the, you know, tough guy things in the world. But if your kids don't have posture, none of that means really, you know, doesn't really mean much. And, and doing a couple supermans every day with your kids and, getting on the ground and doing some basic rolling and some decompression exercises uh, could mean make all the difference in the world. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. The ability, and you mentioned BJJ, you know, there, every activity has a potential to create postural imbalances, right? I'm jujitsu. I grew up playing basketball and baseball. Um, A lot of the jujitsu and, and, sort of like mixed martial arts guys are doing a lot of grappling, like a lot of holding bear huggy type stuff and very strong, you know, pecs and and anterior deltoids and things like that. And yeah, like you said, just let's lay down and do some supermans. What, what kind of ability do you have to get your arms up overhead uh, and, and to integrate that with the entire body. And again, if, if you have young kids, it's very easy. The body, you know, will reset itself you know, I have, you know, 40 minute programs for my adult clients, but I think kids less than 10 minutes a day and they're, they're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's, let's move into, uh, I'm thinking about sports here. I'm kind of stuck in that. I'm thinking of all the judo I did as a kid and just the impact of the ground and smashing what that did to me. I want to take a quick break from this episode and share with you the work that we do over at close quarter dad and invite you over to check it out and possibly, uh, if interested, join our community. If you're a father who has a interest in teaching their children how to stay safe, personal protection, loss prevention, meaning uh, how to keep your child found and how they can stay found in a wilderness setting, an urban environment, or even our worst case scenario as parents to even think about an abduction, as well as teaching your children their role in family unit safety. That's what we do over Close Quarter Dad. And we do it through uh, different programs that we have in teaching and training and membership community. And you're welcome to uh, hop on over there, learn more about it, and hopefully join our community of men who are raising children to be more confident, resilient, and strong. Back to the episode. Yeah, it's if you think about the spine and the way it's supposed to sit, if I'm looking at you from either the front or the back view, it's supposed to be completely vertical, right? There's no lateral left-right uh, curves. The curves are supposed to go front to back, right? Our lumbar and our, our thoracic and our um, cervical. So left to right, what would impact that is a muscle imbalance. So think of every, you know, you have your bones here and then you have like a rubber band muscle between the bones. And we have this unique pattern of tightness and weakness throughout our body that's as unique as your fingerprint. Like you ever been able to identify somebody from really far away by how they walk, Right. And that's, you know, muscles contracting and relaxing at certain times. And we have a standing posture as well. So what can happen is over the years, you know, you do something a certain way thousands and thousands and thousands of times, you know, as is necessary with any type of sport. Uh, And I I usually, I I see patterns, right? Like the three patterns that I see a lot are like baseball, volleyball, and um, 
and like any type of throwing, you know, sport, right. Is, is one shoulder will go lower than the other because that shoulder is very mobile. The other one's not. And that's just one example of different things that could happen. So you're doing a lot of, you know, martial arts type stuff. You're taking hits, you're hit, hitting the ground. Your body has a certain way it likes to go, right? Maybe, maybe you can do one move right to left, but it, you have a harder time going left to right. And that starts to add up and the muscles pulling on your spine. So, uh, the short answer is yes, that can definitely develop as we get older, as we start to solidify some of these muscle imbalances, uh, all, all that can start to develop. Yes. Let's talk about the effects that you've witnessed, whether they be in children or even adults on some of the most apparent shifts in attitude that someone has when they're able to regain proper posture. And then after that, maybe pivot into some of the basic exercises that you think uh, would be most valuable for parents to work on. I mean, you already said supermans, uh, but um, you know, you and you said your kids are on the, 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 um, the monkey bars, which I know is, yeah. you know, when I'm, when I go out running, one of the things I always try to do is hit the monkey bars afterwards or hang upside down and, and go back and forth to kind of decompress my spine. At least it feels good. I yeah. don't know if I'm damaging myself, but I've been doing it for years and it feels yeah. great. If it feels good, you're, probably, you're going the right direction. <laughs> so let's talk about attitude and some of the things that you've witnessed, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, attitude as far as – this is pretty amazing. They've done studies. I don't know if you've heard. There's like the superhero stance, right, where you stand there with your chest up for even like three minutes. And the researchers have, have demonstrated that there's a significant shift in all kinds of hormones and, and different things running through these people's bodies. And, and again, posture is the physical proof that you are balanced, that you have strong that. muscles yeah. in your back. So you don't want to have to consciously walk around all day with your chest pumped up. So we want to get to that point where we get that confidence. We get those, those increased hormones, uh, from just, going about our day to day, right? If we have strong backs, we have strong hips, strong legs, it'll happen naturally. So, it, I mean, it's just, it, it's big, like we're all different, right? And I think kids even know this to a certain extent, but everybody can and has the ability to stand up straight, to show that, hey, I'm, I'm not any better than you, but I'm living my life in the best way that I can. And that manifests in posture. And then kids, adults, everybody would just feel better. You know, you're standing tall, you're, you're, you're living your, your best life. Right. So I think it's very obvious the, the results of what happens with somebody as they get better posture. Um, do you want me to go into the exercises now or? Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about a number of different things on how the gap in times from the flinch response and fear is going to mm. be shortened when you're in a straight posture erect, uh, and also how you, in a straighter posture, you're actually going to have in, in, you know, I know in athletics, it's called like court vision, right? Like a basketball player is able to look straight ahead, right. but he's able to see here and right. here. Uh, and when you, and you got your peripheral, yeah, yeah. And when you're talking in like a defensive tactic terms, it's the same thing. It's just field vision where you're, you're, you have greater uh, visibility in your peripheral fields. But once fear starts to set in, like and and almost like where it goes to a point where fear you may have to fight for your life, 
then you start to get a tunnel vision and the peripheral field closes. But the more straight your body is, the less likely you are to have that happen, or it's going to, it's going to, the, the gap is going to be wider. Uh, and then also, um, you know, another thing about this that we're talking about that I think all fathers should realize when they're working with their kids is the more you can keep your child straight and erect, like you're talking about, Chris, then the, the longer they're going to be able to maintain a sense of situational or environmental awareness, they're going to be able to like, and I, like I said, you've got that core vision, right? But if you're slouched over, then you're not able to, you, your, your ability, you'll take notice of something, but then you lose it quickly. You take notice of something, lose it quickly. And I think that these are really interesting things that I'd like to get your feedback on because they really relate back to a child being able to stay safe, where in sometimes a child may want to go into like a victim sort of position and they begin to turtle yeah, their body, right. shoulders come forward, uh, where they just kind of want to hide. But yet actually what's happening is that they're becoming more vulnerable and there's communication that's happening inside them. Uh, that is becoming, they're, they're weakening. I'm wondering what you, you know, when, as you hear me talk about this, what are some of your thoughts? Man, first it's, it's pretty amazing hearing you talk about this because, you know, I have been doing this for a while and the application of what I've been doing pretty much since 2004 has been using posture and muscle balance to help people get out of back pain, Yeah, right? Like you, you saw one of my books, help. I threw out my back and it's just four very, simple programs to get you back. It's just really cool hearing you talk about this in, in these terms, because you're right. Like, and I, and again, I played basketball as well, so I can sort of integrate this when, when your man's not holding the ball, you're, you don't want to be up guarding him. You're back and you have, you want to be in between whoever has the ball and your guy. Yeah. And you're not looking at either one of them. You're looking dead center in between them. And you can see both of them on the right and the left. And the stance that you want to be in, is arms up, pistol, we call it pistols, right? You're pointing at both the ball and your man, and you're looking in between. And the only way you can see both of them is, well, you don't necessarily have to have your knees bent, but that's going to allow you to, re to, to react. But as far as vision, your chest has to be up. That's right. Exactly like you said. Um, mechanically, when we have thoracic extension, so that's upper back posture, when our upper back is open, our chest is open, um, that is what allows the neck to swivel the full 180 degrees. So 90 degrees to the left, 90 degrees to the right. When we're slouched even just a little bit, you, and you may have seen that there's a graphic online, uh, and I, I'm sure chiropractors are using it, but every like inch forward, your head moves, it adds a certain amount of weight to your head. So like your body actually perceives your head as weighing more than it actually does. But once we get to that forward head posture, we're already limiting the ability for the neck to swivel that far. So, uh, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, you can literally with good posture, you're up, you can see without turning your head, everything in front of you. Um, and then, like you said, the, the, the defensive posture where you're not going into that victim mode, you're not only telling yourself, Hey, I'm, I'm fully equipped to deal with this situation, but you're telling everybody around you, right. like, I'm not the one to bully. You're not going to pick on me because I'm looking. I'm you're a hard out. target. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Fascinating. Yeah, I, that's really interesting. The two pistols thing, right? Like, 
like what's her name from the video game yeah. coming through. So we have in one of the old Japanese schools of jujitsu, we have this stance where we stand there with the hands wide open, like you're saying exactly the same thing. And the, the feeling, the intention of it is to keep your perceptions wide. And the idea yeah. is that if, you know, Chris is coming at me and my focus is in this direction and my body's erect and straight, the chin is slightly tucked in. So the back of the spine is straight. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. Chris's friend A and Chris's friend B are now coming at a 45 degree angle. Your, your peripheral field now goes to here and you're like, whoa. And then, then to here, then to here. And now you're surrounded at 180 and you have to keep your body straight. You have to keep the, keep the coccyx tucked in and the, you know, all these things and how that completely affects your, your stepping into and having to manage a situation like that is so so important. So it's really interesting to hear, hear you or hear someone else's, uh, uh, perspective of this and their input on it, because it's just, uh, it's so important, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, let's, let's pivot into some of the exercises that you'd want to work with dads on. If you had a couple minutes, here's a few things to offer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we mentioned Superman. Yep. Uh, that's a great one. I would actually start uh, you know, think in terms again about like, like a five to 10 minute program for, for you and your kids, both you can do it together at the park or in the living room. Uh, I would start on your back with glute bridges, getting the, getting the glutes to warm up, especially with the amount that we're sitting. Like you and I have been seated for 45 minutes now and, and our glutes are probably less active. Like if we were to stand up, we'd have to, you know, move around a little bit, engage the glutes before they were ready to, to work. So Glute bridges, that's just on your back, knees bent, and then you just lift up your hips. Easy. Um, you support your hands on that. You put your palms, your hands, and just kind of lift the hips up or your, uh, your, when you, when you lift your hips up, your hands can be just out at the side, yep. um, your head and your upper back are touching the floor and then your feet are touching yep. and the floor. And you're just lifting the hips so up. So most of the weight is on your, your up, your upper back and your Got feet. Got it. Um, yeah. And you're just lifting up the hips. Um, and then I'd go into the quads. I would work them in a way, uh, again, I'd stay on the back, um, knee extensions, lift up the leg, grab on behind the yep. knee and then straighten the knee and then bend the knee. That's it. That does two things. One, it is very lightly working the quad, uh, against gravity. Second, if you have any kind of hamstring flexibility issues, you can stretch that right out. Um, so that's a good one. The third one that I would say um, on your back before you flip over would be, um, I call it pullovers with leg raises. So imagine, uh, you're still on your back. You're going to bring your legs up to a 90, 90 position. So feet are off the floor. You're going to pull the knees toward you. When you're in that position, your lower back will flatten a lot easier than if your feet were on the floor. So that arch in your back will be flat, which is what you want. You're going to tighten up the abs, interlace your hands out in front of mm. you. And, um, so your hands are up toward the ceiling. As you bring your hands up overhead, you're going to start lowering your legs down. So your legs and arms are going to go away from each other like this. The further you go, the harder it's going to be on your abs. But what I like about this is that it's, it's probably the best exercise um, to do for your abs without getting into that crunch position. Right. There's nothing, nothing necessarily wrong with crunches. It's just we do it so much. You know, it's a, it's kind of like overdone and crunches are not going to help your posture, right? It's doing actually the opposite. So, um, so I do those three again, glute bridges, uh, knee extension 
and pullovers with leg raises. Then I would flip over, do that Superman that we were talking about earlier. That's just face down, arms out in front, and you're just lifting up the arms, lifting up the legs, uh, working the back, the glutes. How long are we holding that for? And the hamstrings. Uh, I would start small, going back to you know age appropriate, ability appropriate. Start with 10 mm. seconds. If that's easy, obviously keep going. My goal is to get you to a minute straight. And there's uh, there's too? correlation. Advancing swimmers. Or... Yeah, you can do all yeah. that stuff. All the there's like for every exercise, there's like all these different variations. So it's all good. Like all that, all those variations are good. You can do like opposite lift. You know, one mm-hmm. arm and the opposite leg. All those are great. But we yeah. want to have fun with the kids. Um, yeah. That's the starting point, right? I think absolutely. Yeah. Fun. Have fun with the kids. Get them to want to do it again yeah. tomorrow. You know, get them to see it as oh, this is a fun time with dad. I get to play with dad for a little bit and you know, I've made bargains with my kids. I say, Hey, I'll go play on the monkey bars with you. I'll play tag with you. I'll chase you, whatever. I just need you to do five exercises. Okay. You know, they're they're easy to convince, right? They just want to spend time. So, uh, the last one I would do is a, is a wall sit and you can even do a wall sit with your hands up too, but get the hips down to knee level, you know, so you have like a perfect 90 degree angle all the way up. And I really like, I think the wall sit is the best quad exercise. I think it's better than squats, mainly because it keeps your hips from rotating and, uh, and, and just isolates the quads. And then if you can do it with your hands up, that's posture right there. That's good practice. Just getting big. There's a couple of things, questions I have about the wall sits is, um, you want to make sure the feet are parallel, right? And the knees are tracking over the feet when you're doing it and the feet are directly underneath the knees. I have, uh, when I do wall sits, uh, I try to make sure that I keep my back as straight as possible so that I almost get the center of my back against the wall. So I'm lifting up my shoulders and I'm keeping my, I don't let my head come off the wall either. So as much right. surface area contact right. along the wall as possible, or would you suggest against that? What do you say? I would do what you just said. I would put most of the pressure into the wall at the sacrum yeah. area, like right below the lower back. Uh, mainly because if you start getting in the habit of putting more pressure in the upper back, then, you, you know, that's like a way of compensating, you know, people will push their hips forward off the wall and sort of use their back instead of their legs. So, but yeah, everything you said, feet are parallel, just a couple inches apart. They only need to be maybe four to six inches apart. The knees are pointed the same direction as the toes, the heels, the ankles are directly underneath the, uh, the knees. Most of the pressure is into the sacrum. And then, yeah, I agree. Um, having the spine touching the wall all the way up. But again, most of the pressure is down low, even the back of your head against the wall, but not in, not like, yeah, right. Not like this, like you're hyperextending, but actually lifting up through the upper back. So the back of the head hits easily. And then if you can do that, then the next step would be raising the arms up mm. overhead. And, and for anybody who's never done those before, they can be brutal in the beginning. That's, it's, it's, it is the one exercise that my clients just look at me and they go, really, you want me to do a minute of this? And and they're only like 10 seconds in. They're like, really? So, so I, but that, that too, I I just encourage people take it slow, you know, especially if your kid has not been very active, like don't expect them to do, to do this overnight. Again, you want to have fun with it. You, you want them to see that this is going to help me and it's not going to be too crazy hard and you know, I can do it. And then 
that teaches the kids that, you know, if you want something, especially if it seems like very out of your range, like, look, we're going to start with five seconds and then we're going to do that until you master it. And within a couple months, you're going to be at a minute. And that's just a great self-esteem booster for the kids as well. Great. So we've got a nice, uh, like a nice toolbox here of exercises that any father can do with their kids and no more than five minutes of fun time together. And, uh, and it, I think yeah. what it sounds like to me, Chris, is it's also a great place to begin building a physical fitness and training routine with your kids if you don't already have one. So if you've got a kid, like a son who's yeah. maybe 12 years old or something like that, maybe not old enough yet to go to the gym with you, but this is the starting point. They're going to have fun. They're going to be excited. It's going to be considered play. There's going to be some bonding there. And there's, you're going to be building an element of trust. So when you want to step into other conversations uh, that may be personal protection related or something, they're going to want to stay involved. So this is a really good starting point. Chris, what are some exercises yeah. that you see or maybe, maybe they're popular and you're like, Ooh, don't do that with the kids. Uh, or maybe <laughs> they're something that they, maybe they're not popular, but p- parents are still doing them with the kids and thinking that that's a good thing. Uh, what are, what are some things that we should be aware of? Man, the, the, <laughs> I, for kids, I think they should be able to do any exercise. Mm. Okay, unless unless you have a teenager that already been through puberty and is maybe a little overweight, that I would I would count that that child more as an adult. They maybe need to start at the bottom and go up. But if you're looking at kids, they should be able to do anything. Um, the one thing that popped into my mind as you were talking though was um, the parents who do the monkey bars for their kids. It, it, it astonishes me the, the mindset and it's, I feel like the monkey bars, the playground, it's a great chance for kids to fall, learn how to get back up and keep going. Like as long as you're not like bleeding all over the place, you know, or have a concussion or something. Um, I have a philosophy, like I will not help my three-year-old get onto the monkey bars with her siblings. I won't. I say, you're, you're going to grow soon. You'll be big enough soon. And then you Love can do it. it. But you know, I see so many parents like holding their kids by yeah. the by the hips as they're like faking yeah, yeah. it, right? I'm like, that's really not helping your kid at all. So I would I would let them play. Like that's two hours of play for a kid is is enough to keep them healthy and active and and loving physical fitness. But if you're getting in there and you're having to do it for them, I, I know I know they have good intentions. Obviously, they're trying to help their kid like achieve victory. I think it actually does the opposite, though. I think it makes them dependent on the parent. I think it makes them weak, and I do mean weak, like like physically weaker, because you need to be strong as hell to be on those monkey right. bars. And um, you know, like when my five year old, I have a five year old girl going on the monkey bars, and she's going past twelve year old boys, um, because I never helped her, and she wanted me to but I never did. So that would be my big advice is like, stop helping your kids unless they need the help. And in that case, when they really need the help, they might not need us to do as much as we think uh, we need them to do. You know, I, I think we all want to feel needed. And sometimes it's hard to just step back and say, I believe in you. You're strong enough. You can, you can tackle these monkey bars by yourself. I love that. I love that. So uh, what then, a lot of good information here. You know, let, let the kids do it themselves. Monkey bars are a huge thing. I love the chin-up bars. I love the push-up bars that we have yeah. at our park. I'm always going on there with my kids. The balance beam is a huge thing. And when you said 
having the parents do it for them, I immediately went to like, you know, Bob senior on the monkey bars in the school playground. But then I caught on to what you were saying, like holding the kid. But what do you say about, um, what do you say about parents leading their kids in these exercises, not just going there and sitting on their phone while their kids are playing on the monkey bars, but dude, get out there and do the monkey bars, man. Go on the slides, climb up the, climb up the jungle gym on backward, like on the outside of it, like push yourself, use this as an opportunity to get your own workout in. Because let me tell you something, some of these, some of these schoolyard playgrounds or, you know, the kids area of your local town park, you can get in some routines, man. What, what, What do you say about that? It's the best. It's the best gym. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in that. Like the, the playground is like the best gym in the neighborhood. They're great. You know, they, they force you to be able to, to maneuver your own body weight. And, and if you're a dad who's in decent shape and you can be a role model to your kids, I think that's awesome. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I'm a huge proponent of like the parents getting up and doing something again. It's like age appropriate, ability appropriate, not a lot of parents are going to be out there for two hours straight, you know, doing stuff. But, um, but yeah, you're, you know, we, we've been complaining about, oh, I don't have time to work out. I can't, you know, I got to get to the gym. Well, your kids are, your kids are right there providing you with the That's gym. right. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, I was going to say, Chris, I'll challenge you here a little bit. You know, you said if you're even in a little bit of yeah. shape, but I would say, you know what, if you're that dad, who's got a, you know, big gut and, and you want to get rid of that thing, and go out there with your kids in the yeah. playground and be like, look, I can only do one push up because dad's trying to get better and do that one push up and crush that one yeah. push up in front of all your kids, all the moms, everybody. Yep. Show your vulnerability, put it out there. Yeah. And then, and then again, that teaching moment or the teaching month or two, they're going to see dad get in really good shape over the course of a couple months. Yeah. And they're going to see why. They're going to connect the dots, cause and effect. Oh, it's easy for me to be in shape because I'm only seven years old and I've, you know, never been out of shape, but dad's struggling with it because he's 38 and he has a little beer belly and he works his butt off at work, but he, he just sits, but now he's looking pretty good. Right. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it, it is all about doing what's appropriate for you. I always say fitness is two things. It, it really is easy. It's two steps. Number one is figuring out where you are now. And number two is taking one step right. forward. Yeah. That's it. So if you're the dad who can't do two push-ups, but you can do one, boom, you're doing your one push-up. Um, yeah, and and playing alongside the kids. I think this is the best distinction: is that not playing for them, not doing the work for them, but encouraging them, being their cheerleader, and letting them be your cheerleader. Right, and and it's a mutual give and take that that you can have with the kids and. Um, I like what you said, showing your vulnerability. It's like, yeah, dude, I, I can't play like I did when I was 10. Like, I just can't. I don't have the, the stamina. It, you know, I can't, like, go in and out of all the obstacles that they go through. But, you know, you get an open field, I'll outrun you. But then they take me to the yeah. playground, and then they're going in and out, right? So it's uh, – it's just so yeah. It's a, it's a bonding experience. It's a good memories. For Outdoors, kids and, get and the blood moving. Health producing, yeah, super important. Exactly, Chris. I don't want to ignore yeah. uh, your work on. Uh, you were talking so much about posture and these exercises and what what we can do to to get ourselves better to help our kids get better. But I know a lot of your work is also centered around nutrition. 
And yeah. I'd like to maybe pivot into that, but I'd also like to tether that with nutrition and posture and its important role in mm -hmm. how diet affects how one shows up, whether it be hydration and drink, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, your eating routines, uh, you know, are you eating past the eight o'clock window? Or are you doing like what, like the things with children right. that we really want to be mindful of and pay attention to because it can affect their posture. Uh, and then maybe we can then step into some of the biggest concerns that you have that you're seeing in habits with kids like around this time, maybe we can even talk inside the scope of post COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, first thing I would say about nutrition is I, I keep it real simple. I'm not dogmatic into any one nutrition philosophy. I've seen people get healthy on keto. I've seen them get healthy on Mediterranean, yeah. it, whatever. It doesn't matter really. Um, my book that I wrote, help my diet sucks is super easy. I could literally say it the steps. It's seven steps. Don't even start on step two until you've mastered step one. And by master, I mean like you've done it consistently for the last, I don't know, two, three weeks. Step one is just drink, drinking enough water. My personal mark is a gallon a day. When I drink a gallon a day, I'm feeling good. Like everything's functioning. I'm not feeling tired. Once you can drink a gallon a day for a while, uh, start doing like green smoothies, yeah. you know, take some of your water and, and add in a few vegetables it's a great way to get in your veggies. And then I talk about the, the three macros, protein, fat, carbs, and about, you know, replacing the bad, you know, spam protein with, you know, better quality protein. Same with the carbs, same with the fats. And then the last step is just about balance. So it's really a very, um, it's not easy to do, but it's a very simple concept in how I view nutrition. And then, you know, obviously professional athletes and stuff are going to want to take it to that next level. But I think for most people, it's just get the basics, get good at the basics. And then again, we, we have the opportunity to walk alongside of our kids and to show them what we're doing and not only show them, but to tell them why, you know, I, I'm doing this because at three o'clock every day at work, I'm exhausted and I just want to take a nap. And I know, you know, little Johnny, you don't experience that, but you know, you might one day. And we want to make sure that you have habits so that you, you don't, you don't get that lethargic and, and you're healthy and you're happy for the, the duration of your life. So, um, and then, you know, taking baby steps with them, maybe letting them try a sip of your green drink or something like that. But the stakes are high, you know, the, the amount of parents, uh, who just take their kids to McDonald's because it's quick and easy now, but they're not thinking long-term. Same thing with the iPods, you know, iPads here, just play this. And they're sitting there with their head down, uh, you know, habits add up. Right. And you know, this from, from sports, you know, if you do something consistently over years, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna leave an impact. So, uh, whether it's good or bad. So I think it's vitally important that we, as we, as dads really, buckle down and say, all right, first, I, I really do need to take care of myself and I need to educate my kids on how they can also take care of themselves. What's that one thing? You think it's step one, it's hydration. Do you think our kids are under hydrated? They're not getting enough water? Yeah. I, I you know, I wrote that book originally for adults, but I, I do think, I think kids with all the junk food and sugar and processed food with salt and stuff, I think, I think hydration is probably number one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And if nothing else, you know, even if it's not number one, 
it, it's not going to hurt anybody drinking more water. And then second, if you just get into a habit of drinking more water, then you're better able to get into other habits, whatever habit number two is. And, um, that's one thing that I see. I think I could categorize my clients into two main categories. Those who have played sports in the past and those who haven't, and those who have, have a much easier time because I'll give them one thing and they know it's not going to be the miracle cure overnight. They know, okay, I'm going to take this one thing and put it into my life every day. Yeah. And I know what the power of habits are all about. So if we can just teach the kids that, Hey, um, there are these things called habits and whatever you habitually do is what your body's going to end up kind of contouring to those habits. Awesome. Awesome conversation here. And what I'm hearing from it is, you know, we have this incredible discussion centered around posture and what some of the challenges that you see are some of from a, you know, a safety and personal protection space. Some of the things, the benefits that I see and the challenges that we face and the kids that I, and I you know, worked with, you know, in the last 20 years, over 2000 kids. And I see all sorts of things happening with these postures. You're working with your clients having to, and, and now we have a bunch of tools that you've given us that any father can work on with their kids, motivating them to get into a routine, doing it at the playground. But you've got these, you've got these exercises now to work on. And then also these creating the habits and starting with hydration and better hydration, better drink choices, and then moving that into maybe, you know, getting some super greens in your drink and smashing that every morning and giving and putting a little cup with your, with your kid and saying, all right, ready? One, two, three, down it goes. Uh, and getting in that, ha- getting in that habit. Get them ready for college for sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's such like, you know, like we've been saying, it's such a bonding experience. And I think what we're talking about right yeah. here, Chris, I think if every dad puts those into place, they're going to really, they're going to change the game for their kids and the relationship that they have uh, yeah. with their children. I have a, I have two last questions. I want to be respectful of your time. The, f- the first question is, sure. and I think you kind of touched on it because you're like, I don't know where we're going with this. What keeps you up <laughs> at night? as a father and, uh, but also as someone who's a fitness trainer, you know, and, and has been in this space for as long as you have, what's the one thing that you're like, man, I don't know if we're going to get through this. What's that one thing? Hmm, man. The first thing I thought of was, you know, I have four kids, like you mentioned, um, three of them are girls and I, I want, uh, you know, safety for my girls is huge, especially as I, I meet more and more women who have spoken to me about how, when they were kids, you know, something bad happened to them and they didn't feel like they had any type of voice or any type of recourse to challenge that. So that's definitely one I do spend, uh, I'm, I'm divorced, uh, and I do spend some, a good amount of time away from my kids and just trusting that you know, either my ex-wife or my, or, or her parents or whoever's watching them is doing a good job. Um, so relinquishing that control, that's huge for me. And even, you know, as they get older, we get less and less control over yeah. them and we just, we want them to, you know, listen to us because they want to listen to us, not because they have to. Uh, and then, you know, the kids are, they're good mirrors for what I'm going through. You know, I, I went through a horrible financial situation about five years ago and 
we were forced to like sell the house and we, you know, all these things happened and it was like a cascade and I had a very short temper with kids. And, you know, since then things have sort of restored back to normal, but it, I, I guess I use that as an example of what keeps me up at night is I really want to make sure I'm doing everything I possibly can uh, to teach them what I know and to bond with them in a way that I, that feels sincere to me. You know, I don't want any regrets, yeah. you know, cause I know they're, they're already, you know, 10, eight, six, and three, and they just grow up like that. And I don't want, you know, my son to be 35 and I think, damn, I really wish I would have done this, you know? So, um, I think, I think having regrets going forward. So, coming with my A game every day or that's the goal. I'm, I'm right? a decade ahead of you, Chris. Exactly. I just did the math. I'm at uh 2018, 16 and 10. And, uh, oh <laughs> and you know what, what I'm hearing from you is, uh, is, is really solid. Not only is it solid advice, but it's a solid reflection looking back, like, like, like yeah. a lot of wisdom in everything that you just shared. Uh, if you could, if let's just say, uh, hypothetically you were visiting a friend and they just, uh, you know, his, his wife just had a baby and you stop by the hospital, drop off some flowers and, and just celebrate for a moment. And you're leaving the hospital, you're on your way out, you're walking through the birthing center and you happen to pass a man who's looking in the window at his baby, his newborn baby. And he happens to catch your eye and you catch his and you just sort of appreciate that moment of, you know, kind of reflecting back when, that 10, you know, 10 years ago when you first became a dad and, you know, he, cause he says to you, this is my first. And you're like, yeah, I got four. <laughs> and then he says to you, <laughs> um, and you can see, you can hear in his voice, how am I going to pay like all those things that we went through? Like, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to protect this? How, like, Oh my God, like, like yeah. this just changed. And he asks you just for a moment, like, what's your advice, man, with four? You got one minute. What, what is it that you'd share with him that you'd want, what, that you'd want him to hear from your heart? you're going to blink five times and they're going to be going off to kindergarten. You know, babies are cute, but the goal of being a dad is not to, it's not to be the best diaper changer in the world. You know, this is a kid who, you know, you're going to be a dad until the day you die, you know, God willing, you know, that's the, that's the plan is that your kids outlive you. What are you doing today for the person they're going to be in 20 years, 30 years, and I would say this also, don't try to get your kids respect. Don't try to get them to listen to you. I'd say spend your time becoming somebody who's worthy of them listening to. I don't know. I don't know any dad who was like rock solid when their kid was born. You know, their first kid. We're all like, oh, yeah. shit. I, I'm, I'm still a kid myself. What am I right. going to do? There's such a growth you know, there's such a steep learning curve with becoming a dad and you literally become a different person. Like, and, and I would just say, go with that, allow yourself to become that different person because that's the evolution of you and let your kids see that, you know, like you said, be vulnerable, share when you're scared, like tell them, like, I don't know what I'm doing guys. Help me with this. Um, and lead, you know, and, and don't be afraid to lead regardless of who you were before your kid was born, this is literally the dividing line of your Absolutely. life before you were a dad and after you were a dad. 
you know, getting married was big, but becoming a dad is huge. Yeah, yeah for sure. And um, keep growing and, and forgive yourself when yeah. you mess up. Wow, it's a lot. I love it. That's all we have <laughs> is time, though, right, Chris? I mean, and, you know, how we choose to that's use right. it is how our children will most likely choose to use their time. And that's so incredibly important. And I love what you said about don't show up as someone looking to approve or disapprove, but show up as someone who wants to step into support rather than approve or disapprove. I love it. Uh, Chris, where can, uh, where can listeners and viewers and anybody who's consuming this episode, uh, where can they contact you? How would you like them to check out your stuff and uh, anything else you have, uh, anything you got coming up in the pipeline? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for, for having me on the show. Um, my, I have a podcast yep. myself. It's called Health in the Real World. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's also on all the audio podcast platforms. And actually, my YouTube channel is, is my name, Chris Janke, uh, J-A-N-K-E. That's also my website, chrisjanke.com. I have a fitness program that I offer. You know, Check it out for free. It's all the body weight stuff. And I'm not a salesman. I just say, come check it out. If you like it, continue. Right if not, then cool. Uh, but yeah, health in the real world. That's the big, that's my big, you know, area where I'm kind of out on social media on a daily basis. So. Awesome. We'll be sure to check you out and I will make sure that everything is linked in the, uh, in the show notes here. Uh, Chris, I just, again, I want to thank you. Uh, but before I thank you for coming onto the show, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in the world, making f- people feel more comfortable, making people healthier, uh, the work that you've done in your books and the message that you're putting out in your podcast it is life-changing. It is meaningful. And I just want to take a moment and acknowledge you and thank you for that work. Because sometimes people I feel in your line of work, um, you don't actually see the changes that you're making. They go out concentrically out into the world, but they're massive. They're massive. You don't know that that confidence that you give one person, how that changes a relationship, which puts their life into a whole different trajectory. And that's a, that's a result of your work. And I just want to honor you for that. And I uh, want to thank you for sharing your time, your expertise, uh, and your experiences here, uh, both as a professional and as a dad on the Close Quarter Dad podcast. I really appreciate you, man. And I look forward to continuing the conversation, Chris. Absolutely. Adam, thank you so much. I can say all the same about you, doing some great work. I want to thank you for spending time with us on this episode today. It's truly appreciated. I hope you got some value from it. If you want to go ahead and leave any comments or questions, reach out to me directly. I personally answer all of the questions that you have. If you know someone like yourself who may find value in this episode, then please go ahead and share it. We'd also like to ask you to subscribe to Close Quarter Dad. This way you get updated every time a new episode comes out, wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you so much once again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Close Quarter Dad.